Welcome to Sharp Talk, the regular podcast of eSharp magazine. Go to eSharp.eu for free access to all the podcasts to date. This is Paul Adamson, and I'm in conversation with Femi Oluwole, who is the co-founder of OFOC, OFOC, Our Future, Our Choice. First question, Femi, what on earth is OFOC? OFOC is a movement of young people that basically say, this is our future, do not screw it up with Brexit. Um, we... Uh, the generation, the, the generations that will be living with Brexit, are ones that don't want Brexit to happen. I mean, if, if you look at the data that was provided by um, Lord Ashworth, by uh, YouGov, the under fifty-five, possibly under sixty population of the UK voted to remain. And then when you add that in with the calculations done by the Financial Times, done by Peter Kellner, and done by um, uh, recently by UK in a Changing Europe. The remain majority, the, the, the majority in favour of Brexit vanishes and reverses, in fact, at the end of 2020. So, of course, Leavers will say, of course, the people have spoken quite, by quite a large majority. They would claim 52%, 48%. But also, maybe more vexingly for you, a lot of Remainers will say, actually, well, the people have voted. We don't agree with the outcome of the result, but we have to go along with it. How do you respond to that? Well, the fact is, nobody's getting what they wanted. If you ask anybody in the street, as we've been doing as our future, our choice, do you think the negotiations are going well? They will say no. They will think that they will say that the EU is setting all the terms, that the that the UK isn't giving them anything anything that they voted for. And the fact is, they're not getting what they voted for. What are the main concerns of people who voted for Brexit? Um, they wanted a stronger NHS. They wanted more sovereignty. They wanted um, immigration controls, um, and they wanted to be better off. What are they seeing? They're seeing. Um, the NHS, which they were promised £350 million pounds, uh, a week, that promise vanished the day after the referendum, when every politician who, who claimed it then, went to meet, then, then pretended like it never happened. And you've seen the, the main politician who promised it, Boris Johnson, then voting against putting a, a commitment to, put, to ensure that £350 million pounds goes to the NHS in, in the withdrawal, in the withdrawal um, bill. You have um, the realisation that EU migrants make up 5% of our population and 10% of our doctors, which means that EU migrants are necessary to a thriving NHS. Uh, and, and you're seeing doctors and nurses leaving this country uh, be, um, because their future in this country as EU citizens just is no longer safe. That you're seeing that the future trade deal that we'll be negotiating with Trump, with America, is likely to involve a degree of privatization of the NHS, which, oh my God, um, that goes exactly against everything that, bre that people who've wanted a, a safe NHS would, would, have, would hold dear to them. In fact, the NHS, a free at the point of access NHS, is one of the best things about this country. And it's under threat because of Brexit. Because Theresa May refused to rule out privatisation, the NHS being part of, of any deal with Trump. You're seeing a global Britain agenda as the response to an anti-globalisation vote. That doesn't make sense. If, you, if, you, if your idea was to protect the little guy, to make sure that um, it's not just the largest companies that can, that can trade and, and get involved in, the, in, these big, in big business, then how is making it harder to trade to Europe and focusing on trade to Japan and China and America and Canada, how does that help the little guy? That means that the costs of exports are going are to rise 
Who's going to be able to cope with that? Small corner shops or large multinationals? It's companies, it's companies like Dyson that are saying that Brexit is a great idea because they've got companies and, and factories in every country around the world. All right. Well, the best will in the world, though, Femi, time is not on your side. We're now into the second year, the two-year timetable of Article 50 uh, procedure, uh, and everybody's saying, starting with Michel Barney, that some deal has to be struck by October this year, six months ahead, uh, in order for ratification to take place at all different levels. So time is, the clock is ticking and time is against you, surely. Well, um, in October, the UK will receive a draft treaty as a result of negotiations. At that point, the UK Parliament will have to make a meaningful vote on that deal. That means, in essence, yes or no. But uh, if it's a meaningful vote, if we're empl employing actual legislative scrutiny as parliamentary sovereignty, sovereignty demands, the UK Parliament, if it decides that that deal, that treaty, will be negotiating with the EU, is not right for this country and would harm the citizens it was elected to protect, it cannot vote yes. And if it decides that, it, um, that, it, that if it decides that way, can it vote no? Not really, because it would be democratically untenable for the Parliament to just say, "Nah, we're not doing Brexit. Sorry, guys." Um, the only way out for a Parliament that decides that it's not acceptable to pursue the deal, be, the deal that's been negotiated, is to pass it back to the people, to say, all right, we kind of want to be elected again, so given that we kind of made this Brexit thing happen, we're going to need you to sign off on it. And that's the, that's the, only, that's the only way out. And, that, and, and so basically, we, and at the point of October, we will have parliaments across Europe, because it has to be ratified in, in national parliaments, deciding whether, whether or not Brexit is good for them, and our, ours will be no different. It's our generation that was that has only ever known the identity of being both British and EU citizens. Because of when the Maastricht Treaty happened and when the notion of EU citizenship was even created, it's the under 40s of the, of the, of the UK that have only ever known EU citizenship as their adult identity. And guess what? They're the generation that voted to remain. So I'm reminding them that they have every right to take back, their, take back control of their identity, of their country, and stop us from screwing up their futures. So if you're saying, if I understand correctly, Femi, that while well, it's not the key objective is to put pressure on MPs in the autumn to vote in, in your terms the right way, as I said, on the withdrawal bill, but at the same time motivate, encourage and cajole your generation to and go out and do something. But how do these two different uh, strands come together? Well, it's, it's Labour. It hinges on Labour. Um, the Labour Party. The Labour Party. I was working in here in Brussels. Uh, working for an NGO um, that specialised in human rights in the Gulf region. Uh, and I was hearing about um, what Saudi Arabia is doing, bombing Yemen, blah, 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 blah. Um, 5,000 civilians dead, bombing hospitals, schools, and blah, 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 blah. And I found out that many of the weapons that they were using to commit those, well, crimes against humanity, um, were coming from my country. That my country was partly responsible for um, loosely termed genocide. Um, and I then looked at my, at my parliament, and the only politician that seemed to care was Jeremy Corbyn. The only politician that seems to put um, human rights first above all else is Jeremy Corbyn. And then, and then I see, and I also see that it's the EU that has rules against human rights violations. It's the EU that was brought in specifically, I mean historically, as a response to the worst human rights abuses in history. And the country that has been doing this ab uh, abroad, now wants to get rid of its human rights protections. It, um, Theresa May says she wants to dismantle our, our, our human rights apparatus. And so Jeremy Corbyn should be my guy. But 
his stance on Brexit goes against everything I thought he stood for. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe I, I was naive. Maybe his Euroscepticism, which has been documented documented throughout the years, maybe that's maybe that's the most important thing to him. But I always wanted to believe that he would put making sure, as I said, I mean the little guy. That's who the that's who the EU is there to protect to make sure that it's not just large multinationals um, that can trade. That we have a community where it makes it easier for medium-sized businesses to trade um, to France. As I used to work for one that used to sell roofing companies to France in the UK. Uh, operating out of Worcester. That's the people he's there to protect. And he's allowing a, syst- a system that's going to move us so far to the right. And I just don't understand, but we need Labour to move. But you know the arguments uh, um, better than I do, I'm sure. One is that you know, the Parliamentary Labour Party is strongly pro-European. Apparently, the membership, this new membership, a lot of people, your generation, have joined the party since Corbyn became leader, uh, support him and admire him, as you used to do at least, uh, but also very pro-European. And last but not least, Labour voters are by a large majority pro-European. So uh, why do you think he is still, and his, and his entourage, his, the, the, the closely knit people advising him around him, so seemingly anti-European? Because it's, I think it's, it's, uh hang up from his earlier days. I think I think um, the trade unions used to be quite anti-European, even but though now right they're, but now they're pro-European. Even right now, right now, the, and the trade unions are pro-European. But I think it's a hang up he doesn't seem to be able to get over. Um, his his Euroscepticism is getting away of everything everything he stands for, and yeah, um, I mean, there's a clip. I mean, I, I like to share this quite often of him saying during the 2017 elections, "I'm not a dictator." Um, this manifesto is a consequence of the democracy from within our party. I'm there to give a voice to our members and to our supporters. And yet right now, we have him quoted as saying, yes, the Labour members, members are overwhelmingly pro-Remain. Pro yes, their voters are overwhelmingly pro-Remain. But I want to win this election. That is a calculation based on constituency votes, not his actual party. If Corbyn wants to actually represent his party, he needs to, at the very least, we don't need him to say, I will stop Brexit. We don't need him to say that. I understand why that's politically difficult for him. What he can say is, I will protect you from a deal that hurts this country by allowing you to vote on any deal that I feel doesn't meet my six tests. Okay, so for people that maybe, you know, and, and trying to disabuse themselves of the idea that it's, it's, it's all well-intentioned, uh, all this activity now to stop Brexit, but it's 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 just too late. There are you are not alone, right? There are other groups out there back in the UK and the European Movement, uh, Best for Britain, um, Open Britain, and other and many other groups. They're trying now to be more coordinated and be more active. So, are you are you working with these groups, or does everybody have their own area of no no of, um, of specialization, as it were? We're all, we're all working together. Um, uh, uh, we we currently share an office um, with. Uh, in fact, we live. We're working out of two offices. We're working out an office which is shared between um, uh, Open Britain and a number a number of other organisations, and one that's um, that's also that's um, owned by um, Best for Britain. So we're working with all the main um, remainder organisations, and we're not alone in the, in our in our push to get the people a say, a people's vote on this on this deal, on this new treaty, which will have obligations to the EU. We're not alone. A recent poll said that. There is an eight-point lead, YouGov poll, um, in terms of wish the desire of the British people for a say on whatever gets negotiated in Brussels. Difference between that and a poll recently, same, same, also with by YouGov, which says that um, there is a majority against a mm. second referendum. 
because nobody wants a second referendum. Nobody wants a repeat of what happened in 2016 where nobody knew what Brexit would actually mean. Well, we didn't know that it would be the EU setting the terms. We didn't know that we'd lose single market access. We, we didn't know that we'd lose customs access. We didn't know we'd be threatening Ireland. Nobody wants a repeat of a vote in the dark. What people do want is for the, for the UK government to negotiate a deal, to come back, present it to the people, and for the people to have their say on it. So in, in broader terms, not, so not just to focus on OFOC, but, but these other groups well with whom you're now coordinating your activities, what, what, can, what can people look, expect to see in the coming months over the summer in terms of your strategy taking more of a, a, a public uh, face? You're going to see more events, you're going to see more media appearances, you're going to see more young people in the streets, you're going to see more coordinated, um, coordinated ca campaigns and basically raising the profile of the fact that you have the right to oppose this if it's going to ruin your life. And do you expect, but that's, so we, we get a maybe, let's assume that for the sake of argument you are successful and you achieve all the things you and your colleagues in, in, the, in the Stop Brexit Movement Coalition achieve your aims. But then there's a the, the small matter of the U27, right? They, what do you think their reaction would be if there were to be some kind of, uh, you know, rethinking of, of, on the UK side of, of, of the vote of two years ago? Uh, well, Tusk, Tusk, um Tusk, uh, uh, Juncker, and even Barnier semi-hinted at it today. The door is open. Um, we, we, we can choose to not leave as easily as we chose to leave. Because Article 50, if you look at the actual text, is a notification of intention to leave. It doesn't mean we're actually leaving. It means we have the intention. So what happens when we declare that that intention no longer exists? The Article 50 gets revoked. Right. Okay. Well, interesting times ahead. We have to leave it there. Femi Olawale, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much.